0: Good morning everybody. I am Chase Thompson. If it is uh, not your usual custom to worship with us here today, uh, usually Brother Tim is here. He's our pastor, Tim Harris. Uh, And again, if you're a visitor here today, I apologize that I'm the one that you would hear first. Uh, Brother Tim is an excellent uh, pastor, an excellent preacher, and I'm here as an intern. So uh, just show me grace, I would ask, uh, as I bring the word. Um, I'm actually usually here for the 11 o'clock service. And so I kept waiting for an allotted nap time maybe at the 8.30 service. I'm just not used to being up quite this early. Um, but anyway, if you would, with, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, just to give you a little background about myself, uh, before I became a Christian when I was 16, I was actually an atheist and I was very opposed to Christianity and to the gospel. Uh, the song that we just sang, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. When it sings about ashamed, I hear my mocking voice cry out among the scoffers. Always really uh, gets to me. Um, But turn with me again to Ephesians 2, chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses, or excuse me, 2, uh, verse 1. And we're going to be reading through verse 10. That's going to be our main text. But before we go there, and you don't have to turn with me here, I'm going to read a couple passages. The first is going to be out of Isaiah 66, 15 and 16. And it says this. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire, and by his sword on all flesh, and those slain by the Lord will be many. And now I'm going to read from Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. And it says this in verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. The scriptures clearly teach us that at the end of time as we know it, There is a day of judgment when Christ comes back to judge the world. And on that great and terrible day, all of us will have to give an account to our Creator. Those who are judged as righteous will enter into eternal life, but those who are not will be condemned. The problem with this, however, is that Scripture also teaches us that each one of us has a problem with sin. And that because of that problem with sin, we will not be seen as righteous before God on the day of judgment. Now, again, we just looked at the options. If we're not seen as righteous, we we are condemned. If we are seen as righteous, we have life eternal. But because of our sin, just as human beings, we will not be seen as righteous. It's a pretty sobering message. However, through God's grace, there is the gospel. You've probably heard the word gospel before, and you've heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have to ask, what is the gospel what does that mean, the gospel? Well, the, well, gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. So when you hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, we've read about this judgment. So what is the good news? What could possibly be good news about Jesus Christ? Theologian and pastor Tim Keller says this. He says, here's the gospel. You're more sinful than you ever dared believe. You're more loved than you ever dared hope. I'm going to read from Romans 3, 9 through 27. You don't have to flip there with me. Uh, It's it's a little bit of a lengthier passage. Romans 3, 9 through 27 says this, What then? And here what we have is Paul is comparing Jews and Greeks. Paul is a Jew, and, and Greeks are everyone else who is not a part of the Jewish community. And Paul writes this, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration I say of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. That's a pretty uh, complicated scripture, uh, and it can be kind of confusing, so we're going to kind of work through that with our text for today. Tommy Johnson, the Baptist campus minister at Western Kentucky University, says this. He says, Christianity is not about being good. It's about being made alive. It's not a religion of morality. Goodness, character is a byproduct of Christ in us. None of us are truly good next to God. None of us are going to be good enough. Everyone needs the cross. John Newton, the man who wrote the the great hymn Amazing Grace, in his old age, he said this. He said, though my memory is fading, two things I remember. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. And so we keep talking about this. We keep talking about the fact that we have a problem with sin and we're sinners and that Christ is a great Savior who saves us out of that sin. And so we want to look a little bit more into that. And now we turn to our passage in Ephesians 2. Verses 1 through 10. Begin reading with me in verse 1. Um, Now up on the screen, I believe we're going to have this, and it's the New Living Translation. And I'm sorry, I'm using the New American Standard Bible, so it's going to be a little bit different. Um, But just follow along with me. And if it gets too confusing, you can just read that translation and block me out, or you can just listen to me. And it says in verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now the first thing to notice here is that Paul is speaking in past tense. He says things like, You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, in which you formerly walked. Um, But what he's doing here is we have to understand the book of Ephesians is actually a letter written to the church in Ephesus from the Apostle Paul. So this is written to Christians. So what we can gather from that is that all of mankind outside of Christ is still walking in their sins and in their trespasses, are still dead in those sins. Each of us as human beings are born into sin, and each of us will be accountable to God on the day of judgment. In Mark 10, 18, Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. So I keep bringing up sin and the fact that we have a problem with sin. And you may be wondering, what is sin and why is it so important? Well, sin, the word sin actually means missing the mark. And it's actually related to archery. Um, And you can get the image in your head of an archer, uh, maybe Robin Hood. And he has his bow and arrow drawn back and he's aiming at the bullseye and he misses his mark of the bullseye. So what is the mark that we as humankind have missed? What are we charged with missing? When God created humankind in the book of Genesis, he created us in his image. Our duty was to be God's representatives here on earth. We were to reflect God's image into the world and into all of God's creation. But we failed. Adam and Eve committed treason against God in the Garden of Eden. They disobeyed God, thus they missed the mark of representing God on earth. They sinned, and their sin had eternal consequences for all of mankind. And their sin was actually that of idolatry. They chose God's creation rather than God the creator. God had warned them that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. So what happened when they ate of the tree? What happened when they committed treason against God? God, in his infinite mercy and love, rather than exercising justice and killing them dead on the spot, he exercised mercy. He clothed Adam and Eve, and he provided for them. Yet nevertheless, he still sent them out of the garden and out of fellowship with him. Back to Ephesians, verse 4. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. John three seventeen and 18, Jesus says this. He says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now we have to really think about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that as he came into the world, he came to save those who would believe upon his name. Now those who say, I don't believe, is he going to say, well, I'm not saving you. You're not, you're not a part of me. What happens is actually we're already condemned. He didn't come to have to condemn us. We were already condemned. But he came to offer free salvation to those who would believe on him. God is not merciless. And God has not chosen us as his enemies. Though we certainly find ourselves in the position of God's enemies. Rather, we are in a helpless estate of sin. We are incapable of being perfect. Yet the scriptures teach us that perfection is God's requirement for us on the day of judgment. So we find that God's love for us is so deep, so unwavering, so pursuing, that he came down to us. And he died on the cross for our sins. Because of the fact that we were incapable of being righteous Christ died so that he would absorb the wrath of sin on behalf of all who would believe upon his name. We are incapable of being righteous, but Christ freely offers to us his righteousness. Again, part of this good news is that Jesus was made into sin on our behalf Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says this, it says, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. The significance of the cross is not just on the physical pain that Jesus suffered. And while that pain was indeed excruciating with nails being driven through tender nerves and bone, Many could make a case that others have suffered just as much physical pain, if not more. Even in our modern society, we live in a culture where there's terrorism, there's genocide, there's torture. Many could probably argue the case that people today have suffered more than Christ suffered in his physical body. But again, the significance isn't in looking at the physical suffering. It's in looking at who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus wasn't created, as so many people uh, falsely believe, at the moment of his birth, by any means. Jesus had always been God. He had always been a member of the Holy Trinity. And Jesus, in his love for us, lay aside his godliness, came down from his throne of authority, power, and supreme royalty, and came down incarnate in Mary's womb. He was born of the Virgin Mary... And lived a life fully human, yet fully God. He suffered as we suffer. His heart was broken as our hearts are broken. And he died as we all must die. On the cross, all the sins of the entire world were put on Jesus. All the wrath of God was poured out onto Jesus. Think about the incredible implications of that. Jesus, God incarnate, sinless, perfect in every way, from his mighty, all-powerful throne, came down, and on the cross he bore the sins of murderers, pedophiles, rapists, thieves, vandals, adulterers, blasphemers, backstabbers, And all other types of people in the entire world. He bore the sin of the entire world. He bore our sins. And he bore all of those sins at a very high price. He bore them at the highest price. On the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this wasn't just a blind statement that he made. Uh, He was actually fulfilling a Messianic prophecy in Psalm 22. And if you were to look in Psalm 22, you would find that 22.1 reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it also goes on to show the psalmist being redeemed. But this was also a cry of absolute abandonment. Jesus, the Holy Son of God, was cut off from God. He suffered separation from God. The separation that we are condemned to suffer. First Timothy 1.15 reads, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin To be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Back to Ephesians verse 8 and 9 reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we can work and work and work for our salvation. We can do all of the good deeds that we know how to do, but we can never be seen as righteous. We can try to, to come before Jesus And be our best individual, but we cannot be seen as righteous. And as the scripture says, the wages of sin is death. And you think about your weekly wages, maybe that you get at your job or your career. Think about what those pay for. The wages of our sin that we each have is death. That's what is coming to us. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Salvation comes through Christ alone. It is given by the one true God alone. Therefore, as we read from Romans earlier, where then is boasting? No one who is found to be righteous on the day of judgment will be able to talk about what they did to be found righteous because the only way they will have been found righteous is in Christ. Only those who are in Christ will be found righteous because it will be God's own righteousness. In Ephesians, in verse 10, it finally reads, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. When we are born again in Christ, we are Christ's masterpiece. He makes us into his image. The theologian N.T. Wright explains that when we are saved in Christ, we are made into what God originally intended human beings to be, image bearers of the living God. Now this does not by any means equal perfection, The Bible actually teaches that if Christians claim that they have no sin, they are liars and the truth is not in them. What it does mean is that in Christ, we're able once again to be God's image bearers into his creation. To be, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, his representatives. To lead others to know him. Here we find that the good deeds that we do that bring glory to God are only those that we do when we are redeemed in Christ. The fruits of the Holy Spirit can only come after salvation by faith alone. Before we know Christ, our good deeds mean nothing to Him. But the good deeds that we do when we are in Christ, when we have become Christians, are the Holy Spirit working within us and are thereby not good deeds of our own accord. Again, where then is boasting? Pastor Paul Washer uh, was speaking about leprosy. And he was talking about the different degrees of leprosy. And he was talking on the worst degree of leprosy that a person could have. Um, And he said that this individual, if they had this worst type of leprosy, before they stepped foot in our parking lot, you would smell them. Now, the reason for this, and I'm not trying to get too gross with you this morning, but it's because on the outside, they would be nothing but bodily fluids, pus and blood. If that individual were to come in here and we were to see them and we were to smell them and we thought we have to do something about this and we were to go and we bought a ton of white silk, beautiful, fine white silk, and we brought it to this leper and we wrapped it around him and we kept wrapping and wrapping comfortably and tightly until we used all the silk. And we beheld him there and we said, now see, we have fixed the problem. Look at him. Within seconds, that leprosy would bleed through that white silk. And that silk would be just as foul, just as contaminated as the man himself. Paul Washer then went on to say, In the same way we think that we can cover our sin by our own good deeds, but God says your righteousness is as filthy rags. The hymn Rock of Ages In the second verse, it reads, Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Here in a few minutes, Andrew is actually going to come up and lead us in an invitation song. We're going to be singing Just As I Am. And the first stanza of Just As I Am reads as this. It says, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Now, I'll even expound upon that for free this morning. Um, what that means, the, the writer is saying, Just as I am in my sin and my guilt and my shame, without one plea, meaning I have no reason to be before God, I have no excuse to be before God, I have no right to be before God, except that his blood was shed for me, and that somehow, miraculously, lovingly, mercifully, he bids me come to him. And the writer says, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. So you may still be wondering, Well, what then is the good news? So we're counted righteous on the day of judgment. But what does that mean besides avoiding judgment? It means that we have the hope of eternal life in Christ. And when I say hope there, I mean assurance. We have assurance of eternal life in Christ. You see, three days after Christ was crucified for our sins, God in his sovereign power raised him from the dead. The grave could not hold him, the scriptures teach us. Death, the ultimate enemy of humankind that we all must face, was conquered by our King and our Lord, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22 says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have died. For since by a man came death, by a man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. So how can we be saved? And the scriptures put it very simply. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We must believe in Jesus Christ and we must turn away from or repent of our sins. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, now Lord there means master, ruler, king of kings, Lord of lords. So if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, which is what we're seeking. And with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. I'm going to pray for us, and Andrew is going to come up and lead us in a hymn of invitation. Now, this hymn of invitation is your time. Uh, If you have a need for physical healing, if you want us to pray uh, for you physically, we will meet you. Uh, Some of the deacons will meet you down here by the organ side. Uh, If you have a decision to make about the church, if you want to come and know what it means to be a part of Woodburn Baptist, or you want to join with this church, uh, come see Brother Frank. He'll be down here to meet you. But if you have a deeper need... If you have the need for the salvation of your sins, if you don't know what it means to know Christ, please come down here and talk to one of us. Come down here and pray at the altar. You can pray in your seat if you like, but please don't allow this time to escape you. If you have more questions, maybe you say, I don't believe any of this, but you're inquisitive, you feel God drawing upon your heart, come talk to us. We'll be happy to talk to you about the gospel. We'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Please don't let this time escape you. Pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the gospel. How deep your love for us that you would give your only son. We thank you, Lord our God, for dying upon a cross for our sins. We thank you for the resurrection, that we might be resurrected, that we might have eternal life. God, we thank you that in our helpless estate, Lord, that you did not exercise your judgment, but God, in your love and your mercy for us, God, you came down, and you put yourself on the cross, Lord, so that we might be seen in your righteousness. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we can come together We ask that you be with us now, Lord. Draw upon our hearts. God, if we do not know you today, we ask that you would convict our hearts, Lord. Draw us to you. We thank you, God, that salvation comes by grace alone. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.